officially spring, which means it's time to get those gardens going. In New Mexico, it's also the second year that adults can legally grow their own cannabis at home. So is it time to get those weed seeds in the ground? Are clones the way to go? Should you skip the outdoor grow altogether? The short and probably frustrating answer is, it depends. I'm Andy Lyman, staff writer with the Santa Fe Reporter, and this is the Leaf Brief Podcast. lowdown on growing cannabis at home, I visited Urban Rebel Farms on Rufina Street and got some tips and tricks from owners Jerome Baca and Joey Hawkins. Hey guys. Hi, how are you? Hey Andy, nice to meet you. I'm Jerome Baca. Joey Hawkins. Hey, nice to meet you guys. You guys mind giving me just a little run through the stores? Kind of show me. I'd like to hear about, you know, if I'm a first-time grower, where do I start? Is soil the first thing you want to start looking at? We typically like to ask them, like, if they're planning on growing indoor, outdoor, organic, synthetic, whatever method they they like to run with. If they're like, oh, we're doing organic grow, um, we'll probably focus more on soil and uh, um, see how... Um, like what soil is going to fit their budget too because not everybody that comes in here has this big budget that's you know can just spend tons of money on growing cannabis plants so we try to curtail soil uh, nutrient um, to what they're trying to accomplish as Um, well as habits habits their lifestyle okay Um, do they have enough time to water two or three times a day or do they need a soil that's going to have more water retention you know things like that are things that we would kind of try to help that grower along the process we also like to consider um, with soils and nutrients that are uh, provided here that they're all food grade and lower in heavy metal content being that like cannabis and plants that are growing food are can be bioaccumulators you know so they absorb anything that's in the soil. All right, so when people walk in, is this, these are all nutrients here on this first shelf? Yeah, the first shelf here is like uh, mainly organics. A lot of them are scratching. You can make teas out of them, uh, things like that. So yeah, we, we kind of represent the organics first and then we'll, you know, we, we do know quite a bit about hydroponics and we have that towards the back of the store and we can, can we go look at that? that. Absolutely. Yeah. So. So typically on this side, we're still looking at some uh, um, hydroponics, microbial solutions, mycorrhiza, things like that. And on this side, we start moving into more of the synthetics that would be geared more towards like hydroponics, which you can still use in soil-based medias, depending on what you want to get out of the plants. From nutrient solutions, like um, we move on to things like air pumps and pH down, pH is important, pH up and down, pH is important because uh, typically plants in soil want to be fed a pH between 6.2 and 6.8, while hydroponically you're uh, uh, wanting to get your nutrient solution between um, like 5.6 to 6.1, 6.2 at the highest. And I know you can sort of automate a lot of this stuff, but that goes back to your point about lifestyle, right? Maybe hydroponics is not the best for you if you're going to be at work 10 hours a day or something it's the type of equipment that you would want to check regularly yeah you know um if you don't have time to check it it's it's tough maybe it's if tough. you're not going to be around is that more of a 
uh, soil thing or maybe even outdoors if you're not going to be around a lot? Yeah, you know, we have a couple of options with that. Uh, Soil-based, and then we do do, um, we have some product here for um, drip irrigation, or it's not even drip irrigation. It's actually kind of a pressure tension watering system, and that's a blue mat watering system, and there's a few options for that. It's a fantastic product. Uh, you can hook it up to just your faucet outside if you want. And, and if people it. want to set this up, can you guys, I mean, obviously you can't go do it for them, but are you able to walk them through like sort of how to set some of this stuff up? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about too, because I see these uh, fabric pots. I know there's air pots out now. Can either of you guys talk about sort of this steering away from just regular plastic or whatever people usually use for flowers and that kind of stuff? Um, well, these fabric pots are fantastic. You can actually reuse them. Um, so it's just not one-time type of thing. These actually are their living soil, which is really nice. Okay. So you can get a great airflow through that system. You can water your root. You can water that plant a little bit more often. So these are really nice. These are grassroots fabric pots. And this sort of like breathable pot, my understanding is that it sort of helps the roots, right? So you don't get a big tangled root ball in there. Uh, it's true. The airflow, and on these in particular, because there is this plastic lining on the inside, the airflow goes from top to bottom okay. like this, so it helps water flow down, and the roots actually push downward rather than out towards the sides. Because, like, in a, I guess my understanding, if it hits something hard, right, the root will go down and sort of kind of grow on itself instead of just stopping. And it'll start right? getting root bound. Yeah. yeah. So that's something you recommend, if unless you're going to put it straight in the ground. Yeah, you know, these are... These are great pots, um, some, definitely something I'd recommend. And then again, it's lifestyle. Something like this, you're going to have to water a little bit more frequently because you are getting more airflow. Right. You know, so if your life is like, I might be able to water every two days or every day, then it's like, hey, we should really consider going into the ground, creating like a blue mat system where it actually waters on tension. So as the plant drinks up water, that blue mat system will actually supply more water to create that tension level that it wants for the plant or that the plant wants so as the plant drinks that system feeds it water and then water um i feel like maybe there's a misconception about how much water cannabis actually needs right or am i wrong on that that it's uh i guess it depends maybe what you're growing or how you're growing it but um my understanding is that it's it, it doesn't take a ton of water I think it depends on how you go about it, you okay. know, um, I mean, if you're running organics, like you, you have a tension, uh, you know, there's certain things that you can put in there that actually hold on to moisture. Um, a lot of things like, uh, um, uh, mulching is a good practice. The blue mat system that Joey mentioned earlier is very important. Um, they actually have numbers on their website that mention that it, they save over 70% of the water use. And these can be used with anything. It doesn't just have to be cannabis, you know. But um, you, when you're getting that ideal moisture content, you know, the, the blue mat knows when to rewater if you get a heavy rain and everything's overwatered and, and it won't water for a couple of days and then starts to water again. So, you know, we do like this system because it does save water in an area that's already starved for water. And I think uh, more people, especially outdoor growers, should consider this option because the amount of water that is wasted to runoff um, could be saved with something like this. I think when it comes to watering and anything with these plants, it's consistency is important. So I think letting things dry up is actually not the most ideal method it's more of just like a little bit 
every day you know if it's hotter that day you're going to obviously have to give it more um, if you're doing this all by hand you know and that's why um, things like this it takes it alleviates that human error you know okay. because we all get busy in our day-to-day -day lives right and uh, you know just being consistent it's not like oh I'm not going to be here for two days and flood it you know that's the, it creates problems don't try to overcompensate for a lack of watering or something like Correct. that just keep it consistent yeah consistency is um, huge so is this the the time of year that people should start putting seeds in the ground if that's the way they're going to go with seeds instead of clones? Um, I think it could be a little too early just with knowing the extreme weather that we've had, you know, as far as like soil conditions. But many people are starting seeds indoors, getting them ready to be able to transplant outside. Um, plus, like seeds, you probably get away with going out a little bit sooner because of the light cycle, um, you know, typically with clones because if they go from an 18-hour day right into a short day that we're having right now um, they can go to flower and then they re-veg which would hurt your yield it stunts the plant growth things like that you know it just makes things go a little haywire that's what i think a lot of people may not know is that it is very light sensitive right i mean it's uh or it's it, it the whole thing is based on light you can actually put it outside and watch it start to bloom as soon as the light starts to dwindle in the fall right absolutely yeah that, that's something to keep in mind so like if somebody's going out with clones i'd probably wait till later late may for clones so that way they don't go into flower and uh, you know we get a lot of new people in here and they want to they want to you know they're like hey i'm gonna buy some clones um when can i put them out and they're thinking that they you know it's, we have a nice warm day um a stretch of warm days this spring and they want to take them outside, but we always warn them, like, no, wait till the end of May, so that way they don't go to flower, and so that way you'll have a nice, clean uh, run with your cannabis. I guess wind is something also to consider this time of year, right? Well, you put a wind and freezing, you yeah. know, and yeah. that's why till May, late May, you just never know you could get that late snowfall. Or I guess maybe just keep it under the lights as long as possible until they get sort of hardy to put outside. Yeah, but plants these plants grow quick too. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could run out of room. Definitely think about how uh, much room you have. Well, I guess that kind of a, a good transition. Do you have a? Um, I noticed there was a, a grow tent over there. You got some indoor um, products too. Yeah, absolutely. So we sell grow tents, uh, grow lighting. Um, we try to carry LEDs as many. You know, there's so many brands out there, so we stick with a few companies that have been reputable with their warranties and some of them I haven't we haven't even had to file any warranty claims so okay. you know LEDs seem to be pretty reliable these days um, I was always you know from I think 2008 when everything went medical um, you know LED was new back then and and it was always HPS and so I was very skeptical of the new LEDs but they've really come a long way and they're definitely uh, doing what they claim now as far as yields and uh, terpenes and things like that and flavor profiles with cannabis. Hey, it's me, Andy, with a quick word from our sponsor, the New Mexico Cannabis Chamber of Commerce. The voice of the cannabis industry in New Mexico, united to build a vibrant, sustainable cannabis future. Learn more at nmcannabischamber.org.
like you'll have a, a tougher go at this if you just go put it into your the ground, right, without amending the soil at your house or wherever you're growing. Definitely recommend it. I mean, there's in fact, there's a product here like Humic, um, which can help with caliche, which is that sand, that real, or excuse me, that real clayish dirt yeah. that we have here in New Mexico. And th there's nutrients in there. It's all about unlocking them. And something like TerraPro actually will unlock that. So it's a really good additive for native soils. Something highly recommend for fruit trees, like, you know, anything that you're doing, it's a great amendment for a, a annual amendment for your garden. That helps with the, your grass. The, the draining too, right? You don't want it too, too sandy, too clay, right? Kind of a, an even medium. Yes. Yep. Yep. So that, and then that just really helps break that all down and make things actually available to the plant, you know, and things like that, they take a little bit of time. They don't happen instantaneously, you know, because it takes time to break everything down. It's like silica or other things. When you add those things, they're definitely going to be available and they're going to do things for your soil, but it's not going to happen immediately when you're working with organics. It so just this, takes a process. Is this something you'd want to like maybe dig down a foot or so and sort of put some of this in and put the dirt back on? There is a ratio that you would initially, like if you're going to put a plant into the ground, there's a ratio that you would initially want to put in there. And I think, it, you know, it's like maybe a third, start breaking a lot of that down. But, um, you know, you can also use it after that when you've got your hole established. Just do it as a re-amendment and scratch that in, water it, you so know, even do that after, sort of thing. even after you harvest, put kind of keep the, the soil going. Absolutely. In yeah. fact, I mean, I did it yesterday with my fruit trees. Okay. So... <laughs> Guys are like the, the experts of uh, and, soil, huh? You know, we mentioned one thing and something like even like silica as far as amending soils go. It's actually important because silica work as a bind to the plant. It'll actually stop it from taking up heavy metals. So you, it's a good way to prevent heavy metals entering your cannabis or even your food. Because um, if the plant has silica to uptake, it won't take up that as much heavy metals as it would if it was in the soil. So that's something to consider too. I know one grower in Albuquerque uses clover for like ground cover um, in their their pots. Is 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 that something that you'd recommend, or is there something like companion plants? Outdoors, I think you're that works. I think when you start moving indoors, my concern is with something like that that you could introduce pests, clover mites, like things that you wouldn't necessarily necessarily you know get unless you do that sort of thing so now um, you got to watch two different you have to watch plants. Two different yeah. plants and yeah. so in my eyes like you know if you're doing it at home on a small scale as a hobbyist like great but it's going to be something that's always going to be really difficult for you to get rid of so my thoughts usually like you know keep things as clean as possible and be you know very direct with your approach and be ready for things like that you know so if you are doing that like you know right. you could run into some issues I'm sort of jumping ahead of in in the <clears throat> grow cycle here but um i've heard many times before you got to watch out for the caterpillars right once once you're in veg um is there I, i've heard like bt is the sort of a biodegradable way to sort of get rid of those those i guess are potato bugs or I don't, lots of different names right the big green caterpillar how do we keep those off of our veg plants uh, there's tent caterpillars everywhere so first thing clean all your trees around your property or okay. anywhere near that you're growing i mean that's important BT but bt is definitely fantastic. a, a great product yeah that's it, i mean i guess as long as you're not spraying it directly on the buds right before you smoke it it's supposed to break down right it breaks down under uv light so it only lasts about uh, like 12 hours so you spray it on like i would spray it in the evening 
and so that way it's it's there first thing in the morning and then it'll it'll last throughout the day but it's pretty much gone as soon as it's gone through a whole cycle of sunlight the uv actually kills the bacteria but you're hoping that the caterpillars ingest it before right. then they, so reapplying is, is fine but um are those are caterpillars the biggest detriment to to plants or is there what's the the thing everyone should watch out for outdoor plants um it's probably one of them i mean spider mites is an issue powdery mildews are an issue um, weather yeah hail yeah that's a big time issue um you know so i would consider consider those things there's so many uh, deer i have how many customers come in here and they say that the deer ate all their plants you know so um skunks going after uh like we mentioned ocean forests which yeah. uses fish products Apparently, skunks and raccoons just love that soil. So they'll dig up your they'll garden. Up your garden. Um, Go for just even eating, uh, um, going at grubs. grubs on the roots. They can kill your plant. They're not going after the plant necessarily. They're going after the grubs. So, you know, maybe laying some carpenter's cloth underneath, depending where you're, where you're at. Like if you, have a gopher, if you could have a gopher issue, things to take into consideration. If uh, customers are, are coming in to see you guys after, I mean, What's the best thing to to take a picture and bring it in and show you guys and say what do I do with this or? I think that's it? always a good start, definitely, so we can get an idea of what what's going on with their plants. Um, you know, we definitely will troubleshoot um, pest pest issues. We carry a variety of pest control, um, probably focusing more on like plant washes or organics, uh, things that you don't need a a pest license number to actually spray. You okay. Know? And with any pest control, we always advise that they wear a respirator no matter what, even right. if it's organic, you know. Um, is there, do you two have a preference on, um, or, or like a favored, is it clones better than seeds, or is it just a, a preferential thing for the grower? I mean, there's something about popping seeds and getting a hold of new genetics and things like that, pheno hunting, you know, there's right. people that enjoy doing that. Um, clones, like a lot of times you're getting cuts that are, proven cuts that have worked sometimes on a commercial scale or even for the hobbyist with just getting like something that's kind of old school been around for a while um so you know there's there's advantages to both right um, and i guess and getting on, clean clones if clean you're going to do indoor outdoor depends too right yep. maybe yep. maybe it's better for someone to put a seed in the ground or i mean start a seed and then harden it off and I guess you could harden a clone too, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially like in certain facilities, um, they'll use UV lighting, like high class carries 505 clones and they use um, UV lighting. So those plants are going to have a much easier time being introduced to the outdoors. Um, plus uh, pest control IPM management is taken pretty seriously by 505 clones as well as HLVD testing, Okay. which, um, you know, if, you haven't heard about it you should definitely read about it if you're thinking about getting can into cannabis or you know or can even you explain just what, that, what the what those initials are hlvd is hops latent virus disease um so it being that it is a latent disease it may not always express that disease but it can come on through different stresses um and what it does is it hurts yield um hurts the plants the plant won't grow as efficiently um, you know, and it's um, definitely something that can be spread to other plants. And that's just not something that I think anybody wants to experience because you do pretty much have to get rid of that plant. So it's like a genetic um, test, young. genetic testing essentially for, for a is, young plant. Yep. Um, and so that's 505 clones actually does in-house hops latent virus testing. Um, 
And so you guys don't sell uh, clones here, but have that you that your other company is the 505 clones. Yes. Okay. So we uh, the other company actually deals with high class cannabis, um, which is down on Awafria Street. And you can get the address for you here in a minute. Um, and uh, they they offer quite a few varieties. Yeah, they're, old they're strains, sort of hidden behind that, that like uh, auto auto body shop or something over there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. By Tumble Root. Yep. They're doing a good thing over there. You know, those guys are working hard. And uh, um. That's the other question I always get, too, is where do I get seeds? Where do I get clones? Obviously, high-class cannabis is a place to go. But you can just call around, right, and sort of see who's got clones, who's got seeds. Um what what's the your concern with um ordering them online or do you have a concern um seeds i mean i think clones. like for me with anything like it's just making sure that you're getting a good product and what you're what's being told to you so having good sources you know um really doing some research um is super important you know when it comes to that because um you know you can get taken advantage of in this industry. It's new and people just, you know, out to make some money. So just to, I guess, to sort of wrap things up, unless there's something else you guys want to talk about, but I'm curious about how this all started, when this started, how you guys came together to, to form this business. Well, it started as uh, Urban Rebel Farms actually started as a microgreen business that that was uh, um, that began in in actually my garage. It's like a single car garage. We started growing microgreens back in 2016. 2016. And I've seen those videos where people put like a tray on on like sprouted seeds, and then you come back a couple of days later, and there's these little microgreens, right? Absolutely, yeah. So we did a lot of research with microgreens, and we came up with like. A, feeding regimens to be able to feed microgreens and quickly uh, bring out flavors in microgreens and and it's kind of related with cannabis in the same sense of you know you're trying you have a, a aggressive fast growing crop that you want to get the most flavor out of and so we focused on those things and it quickly uh, grew where we actually took over um, the lease from another hydroponic business back in 2017 um, we ended up taking over their, their space and we expanded our, our farm into their old retail uh, space. And then um, when COVID hit, you know, we had, we had plenty of restaurant accounts. I think we're dealing with like 40 different restaurants. And then COVID hit us in 2020, was it March yep. roughly? Yeah. And um, we, you know, we were, all of our clients were forced to shut down by the state. So, you know, we're kind of sitting And microgreens here. grow fast, too. Right? Yeah, and so we're sitting, you know, with a huge inventory of microgreens, figuring out, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay our bills? And so we started uh, transplanting microgreens into plant starts, and then we, uh, that kind of led into um, selling garden supplies again. Okay. And so we're like, okay, well, let's, let's start selling garden supplies, but let's do it more focused towards, like, the hydroponic industry. And, and there was talk of, you know, I think they were working on recreationally legalizing cannabis in, in New Mexico. Yeah. And so we kind of hit it at a good point, and we quickly grew our store. Um, we moved from our 1,200 square foot that we were in just about a month ago to 2,400 sque square feet in the same building. So we were able to take over. So this actual business has been around since 2020, but the microgreen business was before that, right? Yeah, okay. so it was since 2016. Okay. Yep. If I'm a first-time grower and I say I come in and I'm like, I don't know if I 
want to do indoor, outdoor, you can walk them through the process. Maybe like ask some questions of them, right? Like you said, how much time do you have to spend on this? You know, mm -hmm. how much space do you have? How much um, would you, do you want it to be easy and get a quality product out of it? Because we can definitely help with that. You know, mm -hmm. it can be as simple as, you know, one or two time application to I have to mix this solution weekly. I have to mix a couple solutions biweekly. You know, um, uh, we really do kind of you know, talk to the customer and just point them in the direction that th that's going to best suit them. You know, we don't have any preferences. Like, we don't have ties to any of these products. Um, we try to get to know the products and just help the grower, you know, be successful. And sometimes it means, like I said, as simple as a one-time application for this person or, you know, they want to they wanna really get in there and uh, kind of see the science behind growing. So, I mean, aside from the, the cost of a seed or a clone, I guess costs are going down, but do you have a message for somebody who maybe puts a seed in the ground or gets a clone out it gets anything started and then it dies right i mean that's it's a bummer for anything you're growing but let alone something that you're you know doing for the first time and you have to maybe buy a seed for ten dollars or something mm -hmm. right is it just don't give up or yeah, i think like figuring out like what lesson there is to learn from that experience i know i've been in the same boat where i've grown uh, something and i did something wrong and and I failed, you know, but I wanted to figure out, okay, what what did I get? Like, what did I learn from that? What did I do wrong? Also, reaching out to the community, you know, people that are other growers or, or people that come into this store, you know, that's the thing. Like, don't be afraid to ask you know, questions. And, uh, you know, and even though we've been doing this for many years and, and feel rather experienced, there's always something that I can learn from it. We learn every day from people that have never grown before or, you know I should speak for myself for that like, mm -hmm. I'm always learning so as long as you can take a lesson from that and try not to do to not have that happen again that's you know you keep moving forward and you'll find that every year that you do it or every crop that you try to produce it's going to get better and better if you learn from the mistakes and there's going to be mistakes you know it's you could be the most amazing grower uh, things happen you know um, so just learn from your mistakes preventative right. measures you know. well thank you guys so much um, I'd like to come back and check in either over the summer or uh, croptober as they, they say right yeah so, thank you yeah, you're welcome to come in anytime look forward to it thank you That's a wrap for episode four of the Leaf Brief podcast. Thanks for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And make sure to grab the Santa Fe Reporter's annual cannabis issue on stands April 19th. Julianne Grimm is the editor of the Santa Fe Reporter, and the Leaf Brief podcast is edited by Kevin McDonald.